0: Welcome to another edition of the IDP Corner. My name is Justin Barnes. I'm one of the IDP analysts over at FantasyPoints.com. You can follow me on Twitter at DownWithIDP. Uh, myself and Mr. Thomas Simons are here to break down some IDP action as we head into week two. Mr. Thomas, how are you doing tonight?
1: I'm doing great, Justin. Week two, week two, week, 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 week two. <laughs> uh, you can, you
0: guys can always tell when I'm on the road because I'm on AirPods versus my regular Mic set up. So if it sounds like uh, I'm in 1982, that's why. One. Uh, so we're going to dive in uh, to try to help you prepare for week two. We still obviously only have one week's worth of information. Uh, so we're still at this point, a little bit looking backwards. Uh, about week three week four we have enough information gathered enough data from tackle crews and defensive tendencies and offensive tendencies to start looking a little bit more forward and matchup based but for right now uh, we're mainly focused on some some uh some all of the peculiar stuff that we saw in week one in terms of snap counts and whatever Going to try to help settle some things down as you guys head into week two is that right thomas
1: that is correct. I mean, other than blindfolding us and throwing a dart, you uh, you pretty much hit the nail on the head. Uh, I'm going to start us off with a um, discussion on Discord. Board member John J O N O two five zero was um, asking about whether or not he should consider or she could, should consider a rookie defensive lineman. Uh, And this lineman is Dominique Robinson from Chicago um, as a waiver pickup. Uh, You have to be really leery of this rookie, uh, Robinson. Yes, he posted seven total tackles, five solos, and two assists, and he had a a a one-and-a-half sacks. But it was in really bad weather conditions in Chicago, and that played a huge major role in, in those numbers. The 49ers ran the ball 37 times to just 28 passes because of the weather and also because Trey Lance was playing very poorly. Now, granted, Green Bay, their opponent, Chicago's opponent this week, did allow four sacks in week one, but Green Bay is going to probably be more focused at home. And I don't think while Robinson may be good in DT required leagues and be serviceable every so often, don't count on those type numbers this week and or on a regular basis.
0: I want to talk a little bit about uh, the, you know, the the number one producer for uh, for tackles last week, and that is Kamu Grugier-Hill. Now, we think that KJH, KGH, as we like to call him, we think he's going to be a major factor this year for the Texans. Indeed. So, uh, but will he get 18 tackles a week? Uh, probably not. <laughs> uh, as a matter of fact, he'll he'll be lucky to get anywhere near that going forward. Doesn't mean he's not a great um, – he couldn't be a, a solid fantasy asset, but I want to break down what happened to that game and how it affected some of the other players a, as well. Houston played an overtime game against Indianapolis in, in, in a game where Indianapolis basically controlled – The ball the majority of the time. Houston defenders, if they played every snap, and Gruger Hill did, played 92 snaps. The average number of snaps for a defense is somewhere in the 60s, like mid mid to low 60s. So there are some teams this week that played like 54 snaps. So uh, Houston played almost you know somewhere between a a game and a half to two games worth of, of, of of production on you know in week in week one. So you get. 18 tackles from KGH. You get nine tackles from Christian Kirsty You get 15 tackles from Jonathan Owens, the the new safety, and 11 tackles from Jalen Petre, their 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 deep safety. Right. So all in all, the Texans racked up 91 tackles. A lot of teams rack up 50 to 60 tackles. So this is not some instance where he is the next Luke Kuechly, but we do you know. Uh, you know with that all being said he was the only one who got he got the most tackles right he led the team in tackles he had he had 18 the only other thing i want to mention about that is that he was targeted 16 times which for a linebacker is a lot that means they were picking on him. So uh, if we factor both of those things in and we modulate down to a regular game, now Houston's defense is not great. So they could be on the field for more snaps than your average team. But even if you knock off, you know, so let's knock off 20 to to, to 25 snaps. Uh, Let's back off the, uh, the picking on just a little bit. And now we're more in the 9 to 12 range which is really good. I mean, I'm, ha- I-, I think he's going to be a-, a fantasy asset for us, uh, but Owens isn't going to get 15 tackles every week. Neither will Petre get 11. Uh, so uh, just temper your expectations. We just want to know why that those crazy numbers happen. And now we know.
1: You know, you mentioned time of possession. I mean, the Colts had 40, I think it was 40 minutes worth of time of possession and they did play 75 minutes. So, and they went another additional quarter, basically, more than they normally would. Um, I'm going to move over to the Detroit Lions and touch base on a couple of uh, Lion IDPs. Uh, the Eagles didn't waste any time testing out Jeff Okuda uh, in his return this year uh, from last year's injury. And he responded really well, putting up 10 total tackles, seven of them solos. And he had a, a, a pass defended. And I could see this happening once again. Yes, granted, the competition this week is the Washington Commanders, but they'll still target him frequently. Now, Tracy Walker is the other IDP I want to talk about quickly here in that he led the team with 11 total tackles and he had a sack. Yeah, tackle for a loss, quarterback hit and a pass defended. Uh, this was all happening and and doing great until he got ejected for throwing a punch and getting two personal fouls on the same play in the third quarter. Now, you have to be careful here because while he will probably play this week, he does face disciplinary action from the NFL and or I don't think he'll do anything. The team will do anything, but the NFL could suspend him a game or so for throwing the punch. And that's something you have to be leery of in the next week or two.
0: Yeah. Now, the 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 initial thing I heard, uh, I forgot which uh, you know um, heavy newsbreaker it was. Uh, so I, I won't quote which one it was, but one one of them came out and said that uh, it's most likely going to be a fine. Often, if they eject you from the game, they consider that similar to suspending you for a game. Like they've already punished you for that, uh, right. unless you're a, a repeat offender. That's uh, so key. Right. Yeah. And so we'll be watching that. It obviously doesn't look like it's going to happen this week. So you're fine to to start him this week. Just keep an eye on the news cycle and obviously we'll let you know that as well. But if he's in there, Particularly if you've lost, uh, let's say you've lost Jamal Adams, which we're going to get into later in the in the broadcast. Uh, you know, Tracy Walker is now going to be one of the probably top five safeties. Which somebody that both Thomas and I liked coming into the season. Great to see him having a a strong opening as long as he can. <laughs> <laughs> stay, on the, stay yeah. on the field.
1: and stay on the field.
0: He could push for double-digit tackles every week, which we love to see. Uh, I'm going to move on to Arizona. We've been, you know, browbeating you with these um uh, Arizona Cardinals linebackers and try I just cannot wait to finally see what happens when they hit the field they finally hit the field uh what we saw in the preseason was Collins was way behind and Nick Vigil might might have been running the defense uh one of the things that we saw we mentioned on the we mentioned this on the on our podcast that came out right before the season started Right at the very end, there, Collins seemed to have get a seemed to get a surge in training camp, where we thought he actually might play a significant role. Uh, he wore the green dot in the uh, in the last preseason game, and lo and behold, he did have ninety six percent usage. That's great; I means he just took couple of snaps off that's totally fine he had seven tackles not amazing but you know solid definitely solid numbers outproduced a, a lot of the bigger names with those seven tackles um nick vigil did play but he only played 50 percent of the snaps and isaiah simmons played but he only played 87 percent of the snaps So Simmons was wearing the green dot for a while in training camp, and like I said, right at the end, they switched it to Collins, and that's what we want to see. This whatever value Isaiah Simmons had, which we thought was shaky, because of how they were going to use him. They're going to move him around a lot and basically use him as a, you know, we get these uh, safeties who are glorified linebackers. Well, Isaiah Simmons is a linebacker who's a glorified safety. Um, <laughs> So when they're using so he had three solos. He basically had more of like a DB stat line. Uh, but eighty-seven percent is really does tank his value. We would need him to be on the field every single snap to to have every opportunity to maybe get five to eight tackles and hopefully get a PD or two and maybe get a sack in his usage. All that all this to say that it does look like, at least for now, Zayvon Collins is the guy to own there and he could be a legitimate LB too if he can keep that role.
1: Yeah, and playing the Chiefs probably had a, a big part in how the numbers rolled out this past week. So we need another week or two to just to confirm what we were thinking about coming into the season. Now, I'm going to move to Cameron Curl, who was inactive in week one because of a thumb injury. So the commanders used Derek Forrest as the next man up and he finished tie for the uh, second on the team with five total tackles. Now he had four solos and assists and he added four big plays. He had a pick, two passes defended, and a forced fumble. Now Curl's been limited in practice all week and is questionable this week. So if he's active though, avoid Forrest. But if he's not active then forrest could be a good play this week. But again, curl his whether he's active or not active is going to depend on whether Forrest sees time or doesn't. Again, curl active, sit forest, curl inactive, play forest.
0: So uh we prattle on and on about our uh Discord uh uh, access if you were a fantasy points premium subscriber. You have direct access to uh, everyone at Fantasy Points, John Hansen, Graham Barfield, Joe Dolan, you name it. Uh, and so Thomas, I-, I don't know if you saw this, I'm going to run this by, I have a strong opinion on this. I, I would like to get your reaction to it. But uh, someone asked, because Forrest had a good game, you know, and and we know that safeties and defensive backs in general, the, the-, the turnstiles move quickly. And the question was, did Forrest play well enough to basically send Cam Curl to the bench? Like, is Cam Curl's job in Jeopardy? I have a strong opinion on it, but I want to get yours first.
1: Well, I would have to say no. I think Cameron Curl. I totally Curl, agree. Th- I, I think the commanders are, are completely enamored with Curl. They want Curl to, to be the man at, at their safety position, their strong safety spot. And I, I think that what Forrest did is possibly increase his snap count as a backup player than he normally would in a three safety set. He might be the third safety off the bench, but uh, no. I, if Curl is active, Curl will start for Washington as long as he's healthy.
0: I I, I totally agree. I thought he was uh, outplaying Landon Collins when Collins signed, uh, and then uh, I talked to Greg Cosell over the you know in the offseason, and I I just sent him some questions about uh, you know some safeties, and uh, he 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 thought that uh, he thought. Well, I think he thought the same thing I mean he has watched a ton of tape on him and basically said curl might be a, a you know top five and definitely a top 10 safety so I agree and I think with their linebackers struggling uh in coverage uh and just in general they're fairly uh thin at linebacker I, I definitely think that you know he's not quite Derwin James um but you want to kind of think of him in that way like the Chargers build around Derwin James and we saw why in Thursday night's game when he basically uh, pulled a WWE move on Travis Kelsey. Um, uh, You know, Cam Curl has, you know, basically he can fill that sort of role for, for the commander. So I think he's locked in.
1: Yeah. And and when I say that they might use Forrest in three safety sets, I mean, if you just take a look at this first game, the commanders used um, Forrest and Bobby McCain as their primary safeties. And, uh, Forrest took 96% of the snaps and McCain took 99%. Now, they use Reeves in a, in a third safety um, uh, scheme, but Reeves only used, Jeremy Reeves used o- only six plays total. So if Forrest does come in as a third safety, even then he's only going to come in maybe 10 to 15% of the time. They might give him a little bit more depending on the matchup.
0: All right. We're going to move on. Speaking of safeties, we're going to move over to Baltimore. Um, Every week I put out an IDP weekend preview. I try to pick out some targets and some avoids uh, just based on matchups and things that I I see and whatnot. It's not there to tell you to start Joey Bosa and Aaron Donald, right? It's there to pick out some players who might have a little bit more value in a given week. Uh, One of my targets uh, for last week was a deep safety for the Baltimore um, Marcus Williams. Now, normally, Williams should not be much of a fantasy asset, but I liked his matchup against the Jets and against Joe Flacco, and and he came through through for us. I was thinking, uh, you know, some raised tackles, but also you know, chances for passes defense and interceptions. He definitely got an interception, got a couple pass defense. The shocking part is that he had twelve tackles, ten of which were solo, and that that kind of put me back in my seat. I wasn't expecting that sort of production. So now Chuck Clark also had a pretty um, uh, good game. So, uh, so, you know, this is a new set of safeties other than, than Chuck Clark for Baltimore. And, you know, their defensive coordinators have, have evolved, you know, changed roles. And, you know, they've they've, they've lost two. Basically, over the course of the last several years, so things are evolving there. Marcus Williams might actually be um, a fantasy asset. I'm not starting him this week, but he's one of those guys. Like, is, it, is this a Jalen Thompson situation? Last year, Jalen Thompson was basically almost off the the fantasy radar because of Buddha Baker, and because the year before that, Thompson didn't do anything. And then the first couple of games, he starts producing, and lo and behold, you didn't want to be the last person, uh, you know, going to the waiver wire trying to find Jalen Thompson. So watch his production this week. What are your thoughts?
1: Question for you regarding Williams and and the Ravens playing their, their opponent was the Jets and the Jets threw the ball 59 times and they only ran at 17. And one of those rushes was Flacco running for his life. So do you think that the fact that they were throwing the ball that much um, leaned statistics towards Williams and that that might be, a little bit less this week when they play Miami because Miami, I don't think Miami has a strong running game. They've improved their running game and they're going to try and run the ball against the Ravens. Do you think that the, that Williams' numbers will dip a little bit because the, the there won't be as many pass attempts?
0: Man, this is such a great question. Uh, this is not anything we planned. I love that you brought this up. Um, first of all, I totally agree. I think that, uh, that's why I highlighted him, um, is because I thought that the Jets and, and Flacco in general, uh, who, you know, struggles in certain areas, but he still definitely has, has, has a big arm, uh, and they've got, they've got speedy receivers. Right. So, right. Uh, I, that, you know, and also, you know, when, when you are a, uh, when you're the underdog, it, it, you know. Statistics say that when you're when you're the underdog, you tend to throw to throw more than you run. It's not always the case, but you know, um, and that's exactly what happened. Uh so uh and it's it's I, I love what you just asked because um uh if you guys don't listen to um there are two podcasts that they're just they they're they are must listen to's every week. Well, first of all, there's three. This one, clearly, mm-hmm. right? This should be at the top. Mm-hmm. You should be listening to this. <laughs> every Christmas morning, doesn't matter, every holiday. But uh Greg Cosell and John Hansen get together and do and do a matchup podcast every week and I was listening to it today on, on my drive. Um and they talked about the Miami offense and they mentioned two things that that uh play right into this conversation, Thomas. One, uh they said that you know, Mike Mike McDaniel is is a run game wizard. That is his that is his
1: That's his um, forte.
0: Yes, right. So they want they want to and will uh, lean heavily on the run. Two, uh, Greg Cosell believes that the reason they added so much speed, Tyree Kill, etc., to the to the Dolphins' passing attack is not to go vertical because that's not Tua's skill set. Tua uh, uh, Tua doesn't have that kind of arm strength. Instead, because they
1: are open up the uh, the defense.
0: That's exactly right. So basically they're going to get these guys out quickly and they will be short. They will be shorter routes. You're going to see a lot of waddle in the slot. Uh, and and although Tyreek is one of the fastest humans alive, he actually is an elite route runner. He doesn't have to just run post routes. Right. So um, that all of that means that you are going to have probably a lot more action in within the first. You know, within the first 10, 10 to 15 uh, yards of scrimmage uh, this week against Miami, than you would have against the Jets last week. So if you are um, if you if you have Marcus Williams, this is the week to find out whether he's really going to be heavily involved in the defense or not. If he walks away with two uh, solos and an assist this week, then we know that then everything that Thomas and I just said told you everything you need to know about trying to use Marcus Williams. If Marcus Williams comes out of this week with five to nine tackles, let's say, then then he survived a week. That this this is the week that'll tell you whether he's fantasy relevant or not.
1: Exactly. And and you mentioned the speed of Tyreek Hill. With Hill out there, the Ravens are going to want to send two players, probably double team him as much as possible. And Williams and or Chuck Clark could be a part of that. Even Kyle Hamilton could be a part of that. So yeah, this is going to be a, a huge week in, in which Williams' uh, role will be identified. I'm going to move over to Carolina here and talk about the only player, speaking of safeties, the only one to take all the snaps in week one was Jeremy Chin, and he finished with just seven total tackles, five solos and two assists. Now, in some cases, leagues will have bonuses at five tackles, and that's pretty good. But when you take a look at their linebackers, Shaq Thompson took just 75% of the, the snaps, and he led the linebackers in snap counts. Damian Wilson only had 39%, and Corey Littleton only 35%. And when you look at their fantasy production, Thompson had six total tackles, a quarterback hit. Uh, Wilson did have a sack, but he only had four total tackles, a tackle for a loss and a quarterback hit. And Littleton only had two total tackles, an assist and a solo, and he had... A- pass defended. This is concerning when you consider that they were facing the Browns and the Browns ran the ball 39 times and that's five more times than they passed it. So if you've got these three linebackers and you've got an offense that is running the ball 39 times to passing at 34 and you're getting very limited production out of these linebackers, that's a red flag.
0: Yeah, Yeah, I agree. Um, uh, as I mentioned at the top of the broadcast, you know, we're kind of looking backwards this week. We'll always do a little bit of that but we're gonna start looking more forward. But snap counts and clearly defining roles and clearly defining how defenses are going to be used this year how rotations work this stuff is crucial to setting your lineup so we're going to spend a lot of time talking about that and yes i totally agree that's really worrisome there uh fair care for carolina now it may settle in over the next couple of weeks but but you should definitely be hitting the pause button uh, on those players i'm going to talk about the same thing actually thomas but i'm going to, i'm gonna i'm gonna talk about that in a positive light i'm gonna go over to cincinnati i want to talk about their defensive line for a minute we have seen a ton of defenses create a heavy rotation on a defensive line. The Buffalo Bills do it, and they've been very successful at it. The Philadelphia Eagles have been a heavy rotation uh, for the last several years, and have been very successful at it. The Washington Commanders used to be that way. I mean, it's a it's it's a tried and true thing where it just keeps your guys fresh, uh, which means that you get fewer and fewer. Uh, defensive linemen who are going to play above, let's say, 60%. If you're above 60%, you're worth playing, basically, for fantasy. Well, I've got good news if you have any of the Cincinnati Bengals, at least for the first game. Trey Hendrickson, 94% of the snaps. Sam Hubbard, 94% of the snaps. BJ Hill, their 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 uh, interior that they signed that they were that they were hoping to get a lot out of. He played eighty one percent. DJ Reader also played a lot. He played sixty seven. That's what we love to see. That means if you've got Hendrickson or Hubbard or even BJ Hill in a uh, in a DT required league, we want them out there on the field as much as possible. It's the difference between ending up with three tackles or five tackles, and and in tackle heavy defensive uh tackle required leagues, that's a game changer. That that'll 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 get a guy from 35 tackles or 40 tackles up into the 60 or 65 tackle range. And that's huge. Hubbard is a huge tackle guy. Uh and Hendrickson is normally more of a sat guy, but both of them ended up with four tackles and in actually this game that ended up being being, being uh, uh, pretty good numbers. So they only had 52 tackles registered in this game did Cincinnati because of the, uh, because of the game script. Uh, so knowing that in general, there were lower tackle numbers. Uh, the fact that Hubbard and Hendrickson had four, if we modulate that to, to a regular game, that means they may be, you know, into that five to seven tackle range, which is beautiful to get for your defensive lineman these days.
1: Yeah, and, and you had mentioned the snap counts on these these players. The 11 starters on Cincinnati all took 67% or more of the snaps, and nine of them took 81% or more. That's pretty impressive when you are looking for reliability and, and a consistency from a, a IDPs. I'm going to move to their division rival Cleveland here and talk about their linebackers and Anthony Walker, and Jacob Phillips. We had talked in the, the summer about leading up to the season as to whether or not Walker was going to beat out Phillips for the starting role, and Phillips was pushing him hard. Well, Walker did start over Phillips in week one, but he only took 68% of the snaps while Phillips took just 38%. And neither one of them did anything. They both ended up with three total tackles. Walker, two solos, one assist. Phillips, one assist, two, uh, uh, excuse me, one solo, two assists. And granted, Walker had a tackle for a loss, but their fantasy production was horrendous. And yeah, Carolina threw the ball 27 times and rushed only 19 times. But again, th- this is a red flag and is not a good sign.
0: Yeah, that Anthony Walker uh Jacob Phillips role was one we were watching to see how it would affect um you know if Walker would actually be an every down player or if it would actually be um uh Jeremiah Ousukor koromoa Uh now uh JOK as we like to call him uh, uh did did have a, a, a fairly solid game but but uh but even even he did didn't have you know an every down role. I mean, so Uh, He played 85 percent of the snaps. So not even so there's no starting linebacker that played, uh, you know, above 90 percent. And that's worrisome. Uh, J.O.K. had five tackles. So now this isn't highly unusual. There are there are teams out there that do not have an every down linebacker. Um, And it is um, I believe uh, that it's John Johnson who's wearing the green dot which means that the Browns don't have to have a uh, um, an every-down linebacker. Correct. So uh, there's a good chance that you will be looking in, uh, elsewhere for a, a starting linebacker in Cleveland. Uh, I would consider JOK okay for uh, a, a linebacker three. Other than that, I think this is a situation I'd rather avoid.
1: Yeah, and they, they had five of their defensive backs took uh, 79% or more of the snaps, and they had – an uh, Ronnie Harrison took 42% as, as a safety. So there's six defensive backs in there that they use quite a bit in this game, or and that's one of the reasons why the linebackers didn't have as many snaps.
0: I want to talk about uh, the Colts' defense, who, who had, who had a, a pretty interesting game. Uh, we're going to talk about a few different players. I want to start with Nick Cross, their rookie uh, safety. He played every snap. Now, he had four solos, and that was disappointing if you were expecting – you know, six to eight tackles, like I was. Um, so I went back and looked carefully at the alignment and watched him play. Uh, you know, on the uh, all twenty-two, and I got to tell you, I, I I still believe in Cross. I think that was just one of those games. I mean, I think this was more his floor than obviously than his ceiling. He played every snap. He played the majority, like a heavy majority of his snaps within five yards of the line of scrimmage. That's what we want to see. We want to see him in a box roll. We want to see him occasionally play in the slot. We even might want to see him rush off the edge. He's got all of that in his wheelhouse, so I'm not worried about him. I'm still firing up uh, Nick Cross in my leagues this week. I think that was just a fluke. Uh, Quitty, Quitty Pay. let's talk a little bit about him. Thomas and I have gone on and on about how uh, you have to be careful about rookie defensive linemen it does take them a minute to adjust to the NFL uh look at Aiden Hutchinson in week one uh was out there a ton but just didn't produce much and that's 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 more common than uncommon what is uncommon is what Trayvon Walker did which is he had a great game and so uh right now from the through the preseason and and into just week one it does look like Jacksonville made the right decision there still plenty of of time to go but Walker is the exception. Uh, Hutchinson is, is, is a little bit more normal. We're saying all this because we predicted last year that Quiddy Pay would not have this breakout season um, because simply, you know, because of that. And we thought he had a, a better chance uh, and thought he would do better than he did playing next to DeForest Buckner. But mm-hmm. what did we see in week one? We saw his coming out party. He played 80 percent of the snaps. Like I said, anything over 60 is good. You start pushing 80 to 90. You're that's that's a D line heaven there. Yeah, exactly. Uh, had seven tackles, had two uh, sacks. That's not going to be every week, but if but he could be a four to seven tackle. Uh, could be an eight to 10 sack guy this year. That's uh, that's a great start. Uh, and now he's taking advantage of of playing next to these studs like uh, Buckner and Ngakwe. Speaking of Buckner and Ngakwe, they both played over 80 percent as well. This is another defensive line that we might see just a nice, solid, you know, first team defensive line that you can rely on. Now, I do want to mention an important name if you play in cornerback leagues, and that is, I want to talk a little bit about Kenny Moore. Kenny Moore had what we have been, you know, it is so hard to find a cornerback who can repeat their production, but Kenny Moore has been one of these guys who, who, you know, one of these rarities that that can do it. Uh, The issue with Kenny Moore is that he's banged up, and uh, there's a chance he won't play this week, so... That's going right. to be a big one if, if more is out there because uh, if you had if you have more in, uh, in a in a in um, a CB required league, uh, you were loving life last week with his with his uh, seven tackles and six of which were solo, but uh, right now he is questionable. Um, so right you know, he, we had-
1: he ended up with a hip injury in that game and that's the reason why he uh, was limited in practice on I believe Wednesday didn't practice Thursday. Uh, we're still waiting on the practice report from today. So and speaking of, of practice reports, Denton, uh, Shaquille Leonard, um, who sat out the first week because he had back surgery in the offseason, well, he's practicing full all week, but we don't know if he's going to play or not. And that's going to have a huge impact on Bobby Okariki and, and Zaire uh, Franklin. Both of those linebackers took 100% of the snaps in week one. Um, Franklin had eight total tackles that was a team lead and uh, Okariki had seven total tackles with a uh, pass defended so those numbers could go down if Leonard is active in week two so be keeping an eye on both Moore and Leonard I'm gonna uh, slide over to the, the NFC East here and and Briefly talk about somebody that we were keeping an eye on uh, in our last podcast, and that's uh, Tay Crowder. After the the Giants released Blake Martinez in a surprise move, uh, we found that Crowder was going to be the one that would anchor the middle of this defense. Now, he led the Giants in total tackles this past week, but they weren't linebacker one type numbers that we were hoping he would give us, which... We were banking on with Martinez. He finished with seven total tackles. There was four solos and three assists and no big plays. Now, this is surprising when you consider Tennessee runs the ball almost as much as they pass it. So while the Titans ran 26 times and and passed 36 in this particular game, in the fourth quarter, they had 12 passes to two rushing attempts as they were playing from behind on the Giants. So that may have been, uh, um, have a major impact on why Crowder's numbers were a little bit skewed because in the fourth quarter, Tennessee just threw the ball and threw the ball and threw the ball, and, the ball. and, and because of that, Crowder's numbers didn't uh, improve. And so we still like to, to take a look at Crowder as a possible, line, right now, a low-tier linebacker one, but give him another week.
0: I want to. I'll close out th- this part of the segment uh, and and discuss Pete Werner and what's going on in New Orleans there with their linebackers. Uh, we were hoping Werner would have a solid um, uh, debut, uh, kind of really solidifying his role next to Demario Davis. Uh, and he did. He had he had twelve tackles uh, and eleven of those were solo. Great great numbers out of the gate. There are a few uh, yellow flags, we'll call them. Uh, one of which, the main one, is that he only played 80% of the snaps. And for a starting linebacker, uh, that's worrisome. It's you know, uh, There are very few linebackers who can produce between 8 to 12 tackles a week if they're not playing every down. Alex Singleton last year was that player, and where is Alex Singleton now? They were basically trying to get him off the field because he was just getting picked on relentlessly, and you know, and then he basically you know fell into he you know fell off the Eagles and moved to the Broncos and and is a backup on the Broncos. Only played last week because Josie Jewell's out. So uh, <laughs> that, that's not an indictment. Uh, that's not saying that that's what's going to happen to Werner. But you have to watch that carefully. Uh, this week, does he play ninety-five to hundred percent of the snaps, or is he still a seventy to eighty-five percent guy? If so, you just cannot expect him to put up twelve tackles every week. Demario Davis is the uh, every-down player there. He's the quarterback of the defense. He did play hundred percent of the snaps. Now he only had six tackles, five solo. So, to wa- so watching this week will be careful. Uh, will be will be crucial into their snap counts and their production. Let's see what two or three weeks worth looks out. For, uh, looks for these guys so we can make some more clear decisions all right uh, you want to move on to do some uh some our
1: favorite some part of the injuries and and <laughs> i mean i won't have to take a deep breath on this one because we we're, we'll cover the major ones that we we feel are vitally important to idp um leagues uh, we will start off with tj watt he tore his pectoral muscle uh, but they don't think he needs ser- surgery, and consequently, they put him on temporary R- IR. Now, that means he's going to miss four games at least. So he's going to miss at least a month. Now, Malik Reed and Jameer Jones are the two that are going to step into his role. But let's take a step back here and, and see, analyze what the Steelers really want to do. The Steelers want to rely on Alex Highsmith. They want him to step up and be the man that Watt was in regards to uh, applying pressure from the outside. So Reed, who they traded for with Denver, and Jones, who was on the team, left the team, and is now back, those two will likely share snaps, uh, but it will be Highsmith that they count on to try and and suck up some of Watt's production. Now, also, Justin Simmons in Denver is another um, player that landed on temporary IR. Uh, he's going to be out at least a month. Uh, he has a quad injury, so that breaks up the dynamic duo with him and Kareem Jackson. Now, two-year vet Caden Stearns is going to take over for him. And Stearns has played, he played 16 games in, in so far, 17 games, including the one this year. And he started two of them. So I take that back. I believe he missed a game in his first season. But the point is, Stearns does have uh, snap count um, availability to the, the Broncos. He does have some experience. He's not totally raw, and they're going to use him to probably fill in for Simmons at least for the first month. Now, Philadelphia lost defensive end, edge rusher, Derek Barnett, to a torn ACL. Barnett's done for the year. Now, will this give Josh Sweat uh, more snaps? will we have to wait and see, but it's looking more and more like sweat snap count's going to increase. Does his production increase? To be seen. Bad news out of Seattle. Jamal Adams tore his quad and will have season-ending surgery. He's done for the year. That was on a play with uh, he blitzed on Russell Wilson straight up the middle. Wilson deked him, and he tried to bring Wilson down. When he did, he rolled over, and his leg got stuck in the turf, and he ended up tearing his quad now, the Seahawks have said they're going to start Josh Jones, who's a former Packer and Jaguar, at safety. But I I honestly think that Jones is going to sp- uh, share snap counts with Ryan Neal. And it's going to be a committee approach with them sharing Adams' role. And then the both of them could be on the field when they go into three safety sets. I wouldn't expect Adam Numbers uh, out of Jones and or Neal, though. And I'm going to wrap my side of it up here with um, Denzel Perryman injured his ankle in week one and is ruled out for this week. So you're going to need assistance. Granted, Diablo, uh, Divine Diablo is going to be the man to rely on um, for the Raiders. Jam Brown will probably have some uh, production, but I think it's going to be Diablo who's going to be the one you want to count on.
0: Man, this would, uh, uh, it would be interesting. um, We've been wondering what this defense would look like with Diablo uh, and Brown out there. Um, Obviously, you know, we've mentioned so many times about how important it is to have a veteran linebacker out there to run a defense uh, it's one of the reasons, you know, Jordan Hicks um, ran the Cardinals' defense last year. Uh, it's why guys like Demario Davis uh, and, and Bobby Wagner are so important to defenses. Uh, that's what they saw from Perryman. Uh, you know, they they wanted him to be their quarterback. Um, will this provide enough opportunity for somebody like Diablo to fully step up and, and show that he's capable of of running? This defense, uh, you know, we'll, we'll definitely get at least an, at least a week, maybe possibly two or three, to see that happen. So if, if you picked up D- Divine Diablo, uh, now is that time. And I agree. I, I mean, Jayon Brown will still play a lot. I also like this for Jonathan Abram. I think, um, you know, uh, not having Perryman out there will will make them rely a little bit more on Jonathan Abram to be a box enforcer, and that's where he does his best work. OK, we're going to wrap it up. Remember that if you are a Fantasy Points subscriber and a premium subscriber, you can reach out to us on Discord, um, which is a great place to, to you know, ask start sick questions, uh, all that sort of stuff. If you are not a Fantasy Points subscriber, uh, you really should be. Uh, I just mentioned all the great stuff that you can, you know, that that great podcast with uh, Greg Cosell and John Hansen. That is the tip of the iceberg. They do a much more complete one on the website. Uh, tons and tons of DFS stuff. If you're into prop betting, uh, we're doing IDP prop bets this year. The ones we did last year went really well. So we're firing that buck up again this year. We went four and one last year. So if you're looking to scratch that betting itch, uh, we think IDP prop bets is a is a, is a little great place to, to lean on that for, for an advantage because it is something that, um, you know, finally we have we have we we get to take advantage of the fact that not enough people truly understand IDP. so we're here for you thomas is doing all the projections he's doing the kickers he's doing so much work for us as well uh you can if you want to join fantasypoints.com you can save 10 percent if you use barnes 22 or simons 22 those will save you 10 percent and come join the party
1: indeed and remember be well and be safe